Can you hear me? Oh, there we are. So good to see you all. You all showed up even though Thursday night was a little disappointing. Uh, we're still in mourning as a city for the Chiefs. So, so sad. Sundays aren't quite the same when the Chiefs aren't playing, but we will make our way through it. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time today, we are working our way through a series called uh, Come Holy Spirit. This will be our last installment before we take a brief break. So for the next three Sundays, starting next week, we'll spend some time reflecting on our vision as a community. And our vision is to reveal the kingdom of Jesus together in Kansas City. So we'll chop that up into three different sermons and just teachings, just to kind of have a rally point for what it means for us to be the community of God here in Kansas City. But today we're finishing up this section of the Bible called the Old Testament with a little bit of teaching on the prophets. But as we're working our way through this Come Holy Spirit series, uh, there are roughly four outcomes we would like to see as we reflect on it. The first outcome is that our community acquires a knowledge of God that moves beyond information. We want a knowledge that lives in our gut and strengthens our faith. We want to move beyond just knowing the stories of the Bible and to knowing the character and the goodness of our God. Second, we want to foster ordinary encounters with the Spirit of God. I'm just foolish enough to believe that holy ground is all around us. That there are moments washing dishes or parenting our kids or interacting with a coworker that can become sacred if we're just paying attention enough. Third, we want to become radically open to God. Imagine a community that lived with one ear open to heaven and a willingness to be surprised by what God is up to. And then fourth, we want to do the Jesus stuff. Our community has heard the announcement of Jesus. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. We've been called from our previous way of life into discipleship to Jesus, and it is time for us to begin doing the things that Jesus did. And so to prepare ourselves to live out that prayer, come Holy Spirit, we are reflecting on the Spirit's role throughout the biblical narrative. So a couple weeks ago, Cassie started us off with creation and the Spirit as the active agent and the very breath filling our lungs. Then we reflected on the first five books of the Bible and two craftsmen who are inspired by the Spirit to work on behalf of God's glory. Then last week, we talked about the history of Israel and David specifically as the anointed one filled with the Spirit of God, becoming a bridge between heaven and earth. And today we'll key in on the Spirit in the prophets. Our hope in reflecting on the Spirit's activity in this story is that we might be able to recognize his presence in our lives, guiding us through the world. Because the modern world is a confusing, disorienting, and complicated place, right? Like, I don't know that I need to bring a whole lot of context to that. It is just simply confusing to be a 21st century follower of Jesus. Life is complicated 
And we all long for someone to come along and to give us a little bit of direction. We need guides to help us navigate reality. We need luminaries and elders, those who have explored the reservoirs of human knowledge and have come to an understanding that we might call truth. In the ancient Near East, in the days of Jesus, you would call someone like this a prophet. Someone who spoke on behalf of God and pointed the way to the good life. Today, we might call these luminaries gurus, experts, influencers, professors, philosophers, psychologists, intellectuals, TED Talk presenters, and every once in a while, we might call them pastor, I hope. Whatever we call these luminaries, they are all the same, communicators of a way of life. They're communicators to the good life. But the problem is that these communicators do not always agree on the way to the good life. Take any two self-help podcasts on Spotify's popular page, and you'll get about six different diets to try and four new self-love practices that you should try out. And you're stuck in this place of going like, I can't be a carnivore and a vegan at the same time, which is the way forward. Or ask any two researchers whether coffee is good for you or not, and you'll be told about three different experiments, and you'll have four different answers to your yes or no question. This is not to diminish the benefits of the scientific process. It's just a simple observation that the experts do not always agree. And despite the cultural platitude, not all truth leads to the good life. Not all philosophies are grounded in reality. Not all research points in the same direction. Not all advice leads to human flourishing. Not all ways of being human lead to the good life. In a complex and multifaceted world, we need luminaries, we need prophets to help guide us through the confusion. And to find the good life, we need to know who is trustworthy and who is not trustworthy. We must be able to discern between true and false prophets. Now, in the biblical literature, the prophets of the Old Testament constitute 17 different books, Isaiah through Malachi, covering everything from social justice to predictions about the coming Savior of Israel. But luckily for me, we just spent 12 weeks walking through the minor prophets, sitting with their teaching and reflecting on how we might live as God's people in the 21st century. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on the content of each prophet. You can read for yourself or check out our podcast. You'll also notice that not everyone with the title prophet has a published work in the library of scripture. So rather than focus on the content of the prophet's message, I'd like to focus on the spirit's calling of true prophets. And while it's technically not within the prophetic literature, Numbers 11 is a fantastic place to anchor this conversation. In that story, the Spirit empowers 70 elders to prophesy. And Joshua expresses concern over false prophets. And Moses dreams about a future in which all of God's people 
would-be prophets. So let's take a look at Numbers 11. If you've got your phone, you've got a Bible, we're going to spend quite a bit of time walking through it. In Numbers 11, Moses is overwhelmed, ill-equipped, and very frustrated. This is how Eugene Peterson paraphrases Moses' little temper tantrum in verse 11. Moses said to God, why are you treating me this way? What did I ever do to you to, to deserve this? Did I conceive them? Was I their mother? So why dump this responsibility of this people on me? Why tell me to carry them around like a nursing mother, carry them all the way to the land you promised to their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people whining to me? Give us meat. We want meat. I can't do this by myself. It's too much. All these people, if this is how you intend to treat me, do me a favor and kill me. Okay, Moses. I've seen enough. I've had enough. Let me out of here. Moses is having a moment. I think some of us, maybe all of us, have kind of been at that place before. The people are sick of their vegetarian diet and they are making their complaints known. They want a Z-man, they want a smash burger, they want a steak. And this is Moses' raw, unfiltered prayer. And the beauty is God graciously responds. He takes the raw, unfiltered, unsanctified emotions, turned prayer word, and he responds in love. And his response is that he will fill 70 elders with the Spirit. And they will share the burden of leadership with Moses. This is what it says in verse 24. And Moses gathered 70 men of the elders of the people and placed them around the tent. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to him. And he took some of the Spirit that was on him... And he put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied. But they did not continue doing it. They became prophets to the people of Israel. Now for the sake of clarity, the simplest definition of prophet is a messenger from God. One who speaks to a particular people on behalf of God. A divine messenger bound to a community to call them back or to covenant faithfulness. One who guides the people of God into life on God's terms, into the good life as God defines it. Now, broadly speaking, I think there are three characteristics of true prophets. I want to give a brief word on each. First, true prophets cultivate a personal humility, embracing powerlessness as an opportunity for God's spirit. Spark notes, they depend on the spirit of God, not their own charisma. In our passage, Moses demonstrates this dependence simply in his acceptance of the leadership of others. Listen, Moses was likely the most gifted person in every room he ever walked in. He grew up in an Egyptian palace, likely wrote and spoke several languages in a time in which most people were illiterate. He was likely involved in international diplomacy and treaties, certainly trained in politics and military tactics. 
Not to mention the sheer vigor of a man who would confront the most powerful man on earth, Pharaoh, late into his 80s. Moses was a force of nature, and yet his dependence was not upon his own giftedness, but on the leading of the Spirit. The prophet Zechariah writes, Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. True prophets are dependent upon the Spirit of God. They are reverent and they are humble. They leave their hearers with a profound sense of God's power and not their own. Second, true prophets are compelled to speak the truth. Moses sets this trajectory himself by being the prophet of the law. And Moses' prophetic message, the law, becomes the bedrock foundation not only of the entirety of the Old Testament, but for Jesus' life. It becomes the sure guide that continues to help the people of God move toward the good life. True prophets talk about God, or excuse me, true prophets talk about truth on God's terms and not their own. There's this funny little bit later in Numbers 23 about a Gentile prophet named Balaam. And Balaam is hired by a rival king to curse the Israelites. But each time Balaam attempts to curse the people of God, he ends up blessing them. And the king in his anger says this, I called you to curse my enemies, and behold, you have blessed them these three times. And Balaam responds, did I not say, if the king should give me his house full of silver and gold, I would not be able to go beyond the word of the Lord, to either good or bad of my own will. What the Lord speaks, that will I speak. A non-Israelite, filled with the Spirit of God, becomes the model for all true prophets, refusing to speak anything other than what the Lord says. Balaam refuses to curse what the Lord has blessed, and he refuses to bless what the Lord has cursed. True prophets, moved by the Spirit, are compelled to speak truth regardless of the consequences. The Apostle Peter, writing centuries later, writes, Know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. May this library, the Bible, a work of divine and human effort, saturate our thinking and warm our hearts. May we adopt a posture that the psalmist captures well. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Week after week, we listen to the Bible read to acknowledge its authority in our life. Week after week, we stand to honor the scriptures with our body so that we might learn to serve the Lord with all of our strength. Week after week, we teach and reflect upon it to honor it with our minds. May our willingness to be people of the book lead us to love the truth of God, that we may untangle our hearts from the lies we've believed and walk in the light of his commands. A true prophet is one who is compelled to declare the truth of God. 
And then third, true prophets have the courage to stand for justice. The Hebrew prophets, Amos, Micah, Obadiah, all declare that God is deeply concerned about the poor, the vulnerable, and the mistreated. This is true for Jesus too. In Luke 4, Jesus quotes from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Christian hope is deeply connected to the healing of our interior lives. In Christ, we are liberated from shame, insecurity, hatred, unforgiveness, and fear. Our souls undergo healing. But the Christian faith is also deeply concerned about the realities of life on planet Earth. Too often, the gospel proclamation has been split between saving souls and saving bodies. But the message of the prophets is that God is interested in both. True prophets possess the courage and the daring to challenge the status quo and offer us a new way of doing life. It is our conviction that justice in the biblical narrative is about becoming a particular kind of community. This is how Luke describes that first gathering of Jesus' followers. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Whenever a need arose amongst that first congregation, the need was met through the sacrifice of other believers. Christian justice is following the self-sacrificial way of Jesus, choosing to be the answer to someone else's prayer. David French describes it this way, justice in the Christian tradition is learning to live out what God has done in Christ amongst ourselves first. And in living out this justice in this community, it becomes possible to share this justice with the world. This is to say justice is the shape of Christian community. It is learning to be friends with the poor, the marginalized, and the vulnerable. Justice is considering our economic habits and their impact on our neighbor. Justice is sacrificing our privilege and power to lift up another in our midst. Justice is critiquing racial inequality first within our own community and then within our city. Justice is not captive to a two-party system, but is informed by the teaching of our rabbi. Justice is the shape of Christian community. It's a space in which we care about someone holistically, mind, body, and soul. And few have said it better than Reverend King, a prophet in his own right. We believe firmly in the revelation of God in Jesus Christ. I can see no conflict between our devotion to Jesus Christ and our present action. In fact, I can see it as a necessary relationship. If one is truly devoted to the religion of Jesus, he will seek to rid the earth of social evils. The gospel is social as well as personal. A true prophet, one sent by God, displays the backbone to stand on behalf of justice for all of God's people. So a true prophet is dependent upon the spirit, compelled by truth, and courageous enough to stand for justice. Let's return to Numbers 11. 
Now two men remained in the camp, one named Eldad and the other named Medab, and the spirit rested on them. They were among the, those registered, but they had not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. Two of the 70, Eldad and Medab, remained in the camp, disobeying the instructions to meet at the tent of meeting. Yet these two also received the spirit and began to prophesy amongst the people. Where the 68 other elders were in a particular location, these two were among the people speaking as the Spirit led them. All I know how to interpret that is, is the Spirit will empower who we will empower. Verse 27, and a young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medab are prophesying in camp and Joshua, the son of Nun, the assistant of Moses from his youth said, my Lord Moses, stop them. Joshua, excuse me, is likely concerned with Eldad and Medab's actions, probably because he knows the danger of false prophets. Both testaments are full of instructions on spotting the telltale signs of a false prophet. Joshua knows the damage of one who can claim to speak on behalf of God. It's likely we all know someone who has listened to a so-called prophet and the relational, emotional, economic, and psychological fallout of someone who listens to a, fallout, or in, who listens to a false prophet is enormous. Maybe we've even had someone say to us, thus says the Lord. It is dangerous to follow a false prophet. Jesus himself offers a warning in Matthew 7. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Jesus is concerned about false prophets because they are hard to spot. They look innocent, and yet their work is damning. So to the inverse, here are two characteristics of a false prophet. I will likely spend a lot less time on these because in many ways, they're the inverse characteristics of a true prophet. So a true prophet is dependent upon the spirit, compelled by truth and courageous enough to stand for justice. But a false prophet lacks personal integrity. Peterson again, be wary of false preachers who smile a lot dripping with practiced sincerity. Chances are they are out to rip you off some way or another. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. False prophets have charisma but lack character. Before the 70 elders ever prophesied, our text mentions that they are known to be elders of the people. Their character was there long before they spoke a message from God. Jesus encourages us to examine the fruit of a messenger's life. Examine how they live and if their fruit is worth consuming. 
reflect on their marriage, their sexual ethic, their spending habits, and their relationship to money? How do they steward power and influence? How do they talk to subordinates, to children, or to those they disagree with? Jesus' harshest criticism was always for those he labeled hypocrite. The aim is not to find perfect prophets, but to find those who at least live out the message they preach. Now listen, I recognize the deep irony of me saying this because I'm inviting uh, your critique and you're taking a deeper look. And if you look closely at my life, there are likely a few, if not many, things you'll be disappointed by. But it's my hope that there will be a few other things that you'll be inspired by. The invitation is to take a deep, hard look and make the judgment yourself. False prophets lack personal integrity. Second, a false prophet lacks moral courage. Does this person's teaching challenge the public consensus or the mood of the day? Are they consistent in their critique? To put it in political terms, do they offend the sensibilities of both the left and the right? If not, could it be that their allegiance is to something other than the kingdom of Jesus? This is not to say that someone who makes a living off of offending everyone is a true prophet. That's a different thing altogether. This is to say we live in a moment rampant with sexual excess, isolated luxury, callousness to the plight of others, and trusting only in the powers of money and military. There is a whole lot to challenge in our day. And a false prophet lacks the courage to stand for justice and righteousness. Rosaria Butterfield writes, We cannot reinvent a Christianity that fits nicely within the coexist bumper sticker, avoiding the disgrace and shame of the cross for a respectable religion that bows to the idols of our day, consumerism and sexual autonomy. This manipulation strategy relies on using biblical words and anti-biblical ways. It shares with biblical Christianity the same vocabulary, but not the same dictionary. In the prevalence of internet content, we should be discerning of the voices we listen to. We must be aware that anyone with an iPhone can put out information and they can make a lot of money doing so. We must be discerning. Now, quick aside, my aim is to help us be a discerning community, not an isolated community. We can and probably should listen to perspectives from all kinds of people, even those we disagree with. But to be discerning means we listen with a critical ear, willing to sort through truth and untruth. We're not a community looking to just filter our inputs to those we always agree with. We're wanting to be a community that's discerning truth from untruth. We're called to be a watchful community, not a watchdog community. So there's a healthy amount of grace that should be applied in all of this. So I won't be putting up a list of my 2023 false prophets anytime soon. Um, we'll never be that community. See, there's a whole genre on TikTok that I would love to criticize. But here's the reality that's really uncomfortable for me to admit. 
if I'm being generous, there's likely 10%, if I'm being generous, in this teaching and any teaching that I offer that might be off, might be miscommunicated, it might be just downright wrong. But the problem is I don't know which 10%. It's not like I sit in my office on Thursday, I'm like, okay, where should I put this heresy? Or where should I rip that verse out of context? I, I just simply don't know. So my encouragement is to give grace to communicators. And if you determine them to not be a, tr- a trustworthy voice, just then move on. Like no one is forcing you to listen to that podcast or continue following that communicator. Just move on. So in all of this, there is grace. The goal for us is to grow in our obedience to God, not to hunt down all the lazy communicators or bad actors. So grace in all of this. But like Joshua, we should be concerned about false prophets and their impact on our lives and our community. But like Moses, we should learn to long for true prophets. This is what Moses responds to Joshua's question. He says, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit on them all. Moses envisions a day in which all of God's people would be prophets, that the people of God would be messengers to a world marked by a deep, humble dependence upon the spirit of God, a commitment to truth, and the backbone to stand for justice. He dreams of a day in which all God's people would be prophets and this theme will be picked up by another prophet named Joel. Joel imagines a day in which God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in that day I will pour out my spirit. Can I echo Moses' dream and Joel's vision that all of those in Midtown, I wish that we were all prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit in each of us. I imagine a community that has come to know the voice of the spirit and we can recognize him when he's using another. I long for a day in which our microchurch becomes a place in which we receive a word from the Lord, not from a stranger, but from someone we have walked with through life. I hope for moments in which this gathering becomes a setting by which God speaks directly to the intricacies and the nuances of your life through another. I genuinely believe that day is coming that we would all be called prophets of the Lord because we have tasted and seen that he's good, that we're deeply committed to depending on his spirit, to truth and to justice, but there is still work to be done. We must first learn what it is to be a discerning community. Now, some of us have been deeply wounded by those claiming to speak on behalf of God, and I will not defend that. So this is not an opening to share all your weird ideas under the guise of the Lord told me. This is to say, thus says the Lord will not fly as a pickup line in this community. (laughs) Remember 2 Peter 1, Peter writes, men spoke from God. 
Listen, God provides the message, but humans choose the words and craft the sentence. Thus, people can and should be held accountable for the way they convey God's truth. So this will not be an environment in which thus says the Lord means that you can say whatever you want. But that's for another sermon. Later this fall, and especially next year, we will reflect on the speaking portion, the listening portion of what it means to be a prophetic people. We'll continue to reflect on Moses' dream, but right now, we just want to develop the ability to discern what the Spirit is up to in our midst. To learn what it is to hear the voice of the Lord. Worship team, would you join me? There's a deep tension between Joshua's concern and Moses' dream. Joshua's concern is for false prophets. Moses' dream is that all God's people would be prophets. I hope you see the deep tension at the heart of this moment. In order to live into that, we must be able to discern the difference between true and false prophets. And that tension is present in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. He writes this, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. So I have two suggestions as we learn. Actually, let's say third, three suggestions. The first is if someone calls themselves a prophet, they're probably not a prophet. So that wasn't in my notes. That's a freebie. If... If they're a prophet Cassie Farron on Facebook, I can guarantee you something. They are probably not a prophet. But we must learn to discern the difference, and I think that's a, that's a key indicator right there. I, I think there are lots of prophets walking around, but they're pretty humble, and they're not advertising that they're really prophets. So two suggestions. First, test everything. We are encouraged to examine everything, to turn it over, to think about it, to write it down in a notebook and say, I'm going to keep returning to this. We're encouraged to do our due diligence and to not accept everything done in the name of the Lord. The Apostle John writes this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you things that have been in bed. 
embedded in our heart and soul. So let's together do the work of becoming a discerning people. And then second, let's learn to trust God enough to trust others. Listen, we desire to become a people radically open to God and what he is doing. So what if we learned to trust God enough to trust his voice in others? If you walk, if you walk with Jesus long enough, he will want to speak to you through another. He'll move through people who are flawed, misguided, overzealous, uninformed, insistent, eager, lazy, and broken. And that's good news. Because God still uses flawed messengers. Through another, Jesus will likely challenge our assumptions, our arrogance, our insecurities, our shame, and our fears. Through another, we might be reminded that God not only loves you, but he likes you. He is fond of you. And that person might just be labeled pastor. That person might be a microchurch leader. That person might be a family member, a neighbor, or even a stranger. And that someone God has brought into your life to guide you towards the good life. Are you open to that? Are you willing to let God use another person in your life? Again, test everything, but hold fast to what is good, that we might learn to hear the voice of God in surprising places, that we might become a people radically open to God, that through God's prophets, we might discover the good life on God's terms. Let's pray. Father, we ask that by your spirit, by our encounters with you, by the truth we read in your scriptures, by the life of Jesus, and by his proclamation of his kingdom come, we would learn what it is to be a discerning people. That we would be watchful. That we would be able to discern between truth and untruth that we would be deeply open to the ways in which you might use another. That we might be open to little conversations, little reminders that you are present and watching over us. That we would yearn like Moses to all be prophets, committed to depending on your spirit, to truth and to justice. Church Weekly Podcast. To find out more or to join a church gathering, check out our website at midtownkc.church.